Are you looking for the best tips and tricks to run a successful dental practice? You're in the right place. Welcome to Bulletproof Dental Practice, interviewing some of today's most successful dentists with your hosts, Dr. Peter Bolden and Dr. Craig Spodak. Everyone, it's Dr. Craig Spodek. I'm here with my good friend, Dr. Peter Bolden, and our guest, Josh Robbins, for the Bulletproof Dental Podcast. Josh and Peter, so good to have you here. Glad to be here, buddy. Absolutely. Great to be here. So today we're going to be talking about a couple things, but one of the things I want to get into is uh, my good buddy, Josh Robbins. He's not only the chief marketing officer for America's Best 401k, but he's also Tony Robbins' son and has probably picked up a lot of business acumen over the years just uh, through that proximity and going through all the Tony stuff. We're really excited to have you to get deep into um, how the 401k is actually not always the benefit that we think it is. Anything I left out in your intro, Josh? No, that's it. I think that, you know, that sums it up. It's not just only the benefit. It's actually um, a massive liability for most business owners and they have no idea about that. So we're going to uncover that a little bit today. Okay, great. So let's jump right in because, um, you know, when you look at a dental practice, the dentist as the leader of the organization typically wants to build really goodwill with his team. So we love 401ks because as in theory and concept, the 401k exists to reward long-standing employees and try to provide for them through their retirement years. And, uh, you know, in my own personal experience, I had an interesting outcome because we had a 401k or we have a 401k and uh, I thought it was doing something really good for my team and I thought I was really taking good care of them. Lo and behold, your dad's first book, Money Master the Game, came out, what was that, like two, three years ago now? Yeah, it's been about two and a half years. And in one of the sections is like, is your 401k really a good plan or not? I didn't get through the entire book being that it's, uh, what is it, 700 pages or so, but my employees in the office read the entire book cover to cover. And one of my key people said to me at a certain point, he said, listen, I really want you to benchmark the fees that we're paying in our 401k because periodically I look at my 401k and it seems like it's not really growing like it should. I'm reading, you know, the front cover of USA Today and it's saying the market's up, you know, eight and 15 points and she's not seeing that hit in her own personal plan. So when she mentioned it to me, I was a little reluctant because I really liked the guy. He brought me a, a full you know, box of donuts, you know, once a quarter when he'd come in. And I felt <laughs> like he was, he just seemed like a nice guy. And, you know, isn't the 401k world like regulated? Isn't this a... Like, are they all the same, right? You, I, That's what I thought. They were all kind of the same. Check the box. They're all the same, right? Yeah. It's like, it's USDA beef. It's, it's a 401k. It's got to be regulated by the IRS. And there has to be a governing body looking after this. So I was reluctant to want to check those fees, and uh, I kind of brushed her off. She mentioned something very interesting to me. She said, and by the way, you have a fiduciary responsibility. You're responsible. And that's kind of perked my interest a little bit because uh, I didn't quite understand what that is. So, Josh, before we jump in all this good stuff, can you just describe what that was? Because I had to call a friend of mine and said, do I really have – fiduciary responsibility. And, and by the way, what is that? That just sounds bad, but what is that exactly? So Josh, without killing our dental clients with all the meaning behind that, just give us a cursory overview of what that yeah. is. And what- you know, Without getting too, too technical, it's just you're on the hook. That's really what it comes down to. You as the business owner, if you start a 401k plan under the law with the Department of Labor, you're, what's, you're known as the plan sponsor. You're the guy who decided to sponsor this plan for your employees or gal. And in doing so, you are taking on a certain amount of liability. And the primary liability is to make sure that the plan is set up 
for the sole benefit of the employees. Now, you might say, well, of course it is. It's absolutely for the sole benefit of the employees. But the problem is, is the way these things have evolved over the past 30 years is they've actually evolved into being for the employee last. Frankly, the people who are benefiting most are the providers, right? The providers and the brokers. And they don't have any liability for how they treat you or how they charge you. You have the liability. And the Department of Labor is becoming way more intense about it. In fact, Literally today, I woke up and there was an article, Inc. Magazine article, and the title is, Does Your Business Provide a 401k? Consider this growing risk. And it says, business owners may not realize how offering employee retirement plans exposes them to lawsuits. And so this is becoming more and more prevalent. This is more and more and more mainstream news where what's called the RISA litigation or, or the Department of Labor is coming after business owners as well as attorneys are going after class action attorneys are going after businesses and and it's not just big businesses it's it's going to be small businesses too i want to make sure i understand this so even though i know nothing about 401k's and i'm the plan sponsor as the dentist who's just offering it as a benefit to my employees if it underperforms or the fees that i don't even know about are erosive or i just didn't do enough due diligence you're telling me i could be held accountable that's right you can be held accountable the primary reasons that they're coming after uh, business owners i'll say from two sides the dol the department of labor is coming after business owners for really not paying attention in other words if you're the plan sponsor you're supposed to do things as the plan sponsor that means you have a fiduciary obligation to perform certain tasks for your 401k. Now, most people have no clue what those tasks are. And so some of those tasks are very administrative, and some of those tasks are really important, like benchmarking your fees periodically. In other words, are you looking at your fees and saying, you know what, these fees are in keeping with the industry, or I could lower these fees, or there's better access to better funds available, for example. I should negotiate better pricing. All those things that most people have never even thought twice about, never even thought once about, are your responsibility. And so the Department of Labor is coming after. You can't just have a good relationship with a broker or trust a broker. They don't care about that. They just want to know, did you really step up for the employees and do everything that you were required by law to do? And the answer for 99% of business owners and 99% of dentists that we come across is absolutely not. They have not taken those steps. I didn't do that. So when I heard that, I got the same information from my own plan and decided to check the fees. And uh, I was pretty shocked to realize uh, what was going down. It's actually mind-boggling. And the average fee, to give you an example, in 2014, they published the average fee. The average fee was $600,000 to the Department of Labor. And it's not based upon how much money's in the plan. It's purely based on the amount of negligence that's there. So it's, it's you, pretty... When you say fee, you mean fine, correct? I'm Josh? sorry, fine. The average fine. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah, right. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, the average fine. So, I mean, that's enough to bankrupt. Business. Yeah, at the time, you know, it's, it's crazy to think you could have like a hundred or $200,000 of plan assets and the Department of Labor comes over and finds you a half a million dollars. It's that's just, right. It's mind-boggling. It's totally yeah, mind-boggling. No good deed goes unpunished, right? Exactly. And that's the thing. Like, we could take this conversation at face value from where we've spoken at this point and say, okay, well, I got to get rid of my 401k. This is a total BS. I can't deal with this anymore. But I don't want Dennis to think that because the 401k is a great tool. It's just not properly utilized because the brokers are all over it. There's an interesting statistic is there's 500,000 401ks, right, Josh, in the country? That's right. Yeah, just a little bit more than that, yep. And 70,000 of them are from dentists. So it's like mind-boggling that dentists just love 401k because it's a testament to how much we love our teams, how much we want to take care of our teams and how much we value longevity and and looking after the long-term best interests of those that work with us. 
So I think it's a beautiful thing. And, and I want the people that are listening to realize the 401k is a good thing. It's just you have to have the right one. You can't buy a 1975 Buick and drive it with no airbags and say, oh, cars suck. I'm never going to get a car again. You know, it's just it's an outdated form of plan that most people have. That's right. And I think that if you really boil it down to you know, what's wrong with 401ks, most people say the 401k is broken. It's not broken. What's broken is the providers and the brokers and all the middlemen that have sold these plans. And a lack of transparency too. The absolute lack of transparency. You know, just to, to back up and you say, well, how in the world did we get here? I mean, if you really look, the 401k has been around since the early 80s. And for 30 years, the first 30 years of a 401k plan that was in existence up until 2012, they didn't have to tell you how much they were charging you. I mean, think about that for a second. In what other realm would that be logical, feasible, doable? You know, would you walk into a, a store and say, you know, take a bunch of pile of clothes up there with no tags and just set them on the counter? And they go, hey, don't worry about it. We'll just take it off from your account. Don't worry how much it is, right? And people just trusted that, like you guys said at the beginning, that this was kind of a check the box item. This should be regulated, right? No one, they can't be screwing me on this, could they? Or putting themselves first or putting profits ahead of people. And that's really what happened is that this just evolved into a massive market. Remember the 401k was like a, a tax code piece that was actually supposed to supplement, you know, typical pension plans. And eventually now it's a six trillion dollar marketplace. Wow. That has become a feeding trough for brokers. So it's a massive moneymaker. Uh, yeah. These days. So Josh, can we jump into how like your mission has been quite different because you've kind of identified these things and you identified the systems broken. The product itself is good, but the system that implements it or, or the industry is a little bit broken. So can you talk about kind of how, how you guys are help saving the, uh, reputation, so to speak. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a couple core things. I mean, and this is all going to sound really, really common sense and very much free market. So if you're a fan of free markets, you're going to look at this and say, well, that makes total sense. Because if you look at the 401k space, you know, let's just take a typical 401k to create some contrast. A typical 401k, you know, is going to run you anywhere between one and a quarter to 3% a year. And by the way, that fees, people go, well, it's just one or 2%. I'll talk about it later. We'll give you an example of how those fees will impact the plan. I'll walk you through a sample plan in a second here, but it is a drastic impact, okay? And then the funds inside that plan, and by the way, that includes you know, the brokers getting paid, the record keeper, they call it, is getting paid, and it's typically a big insurance company. You might think of the ones that are on every sports, you know, a stadium or blimp or whatever, or typically a payroll company, right? You might have a paychex or an ADP or someone along those lines. And so you're paying a large chunk of fees, and then you think about the funds that are in your plan. No one ever asks, okay, there's thousands of mutual funds. What about the 15 or 20 or 25 that are offered in my plan? Who chose those? How'd those get there? And, and those get there just like any retail store would choose the most profitable products to put on their shelves. That's exactly what's happening here. So what you have is a bunch of mutual fund companies that are paying to play, meaning they're paying for shelf space. So a big chunk of those fees, they're paying to the provider. So you might have to stop and think, well, why does the provider making money off the mutual funds that I'm investing in on top of all the commissions and other fees they're charging you. So by the way, there was a study done by a research group, a think tank out of Washington, D.C. This PhD got a hold of his fees. He couldn't figure out his own fees in his 401k. He ended up writing a paper. It's called Demos, this group, this think tank. He discovered there's 17 different allowable fees in a 401k plan. 
17. So, I mean, it's amazing, the fee structures. So when you think about fees and you think about the funds, all the funds are a bunch of crappy funds. They're really expensive. And you're typically, I would say you're overpaying for underperformance because a lot of people, and we don't have to get into too much investment discussion, but everybody from Warren Buffett to some of the greatest investment minds in the world will say, you really should invest in low cost index funds. Some of your listeners might think of like Vanguard or dimensional funds, some of these really low cost index funds. And those are typically not available in 401k plans, especially in the small markets. So we'll have guys that will call us and say, hey, you guys have low-cost funds in your plan? My guy says, I don't qualify for those. <laughs> my funds, my, my plan isn't big enough to qualify for those, You know, we don't, which means we're not making enough money off of you yet. Josh, that's exactly what happened in my plan. I knew to ask for Vanguard S&P index fund. Like if you pick up any magazine, any financial magazine, like the front page is like, you know, go with a low cost index fund. So I actually had that, what I thought was that in my plan. Uh, You know, first of all, they said you can't have access to that until you get to a certain size. So that's exactly that. And then the second thing is when I actually got it, they were charging a surcharge on top of it. So a management fee on top of that. So, you know, it's like, what is a Vanguard fund? 0.15% or 0.5%? Yeah, 0.05 for the the S&P fund, even lower, yeah. Okay, so I had like a 1.5% asset management fee on top of that. Yeah, sure. It defeats the purpose. It's like going to get in a salad bar and then putting, you know, three cups of ranch dressing on top. It's really kind of defeats the whole purpose of eating (laughs) healthy. So those fees have the same effact. They're just like, you know, it's like a weight. I always say, would you want to run a horse with a a 100-pound jockey or a 300-pound jockey? You know, the 100-pound jockey is the lower fee and the 300-pound jockey is the guy is, is the higher fees. They're not going to win because those fees directly subtract from the performance of those funds. Anyway, so long story short, we got to a place uh, in 2012. We launched the company. Tom Zagainer, our founder, he launched the company. He said, you know what? If you were going to create America's best 401k plan, how would you do it? Well, you'd do a couple things. One, you'd get rid of brokers. You'd get rid of middlemen. You'd get rid of conflicts of interest. You'd never pay commissions. The funds that you'd pick would never be ones that would pay to be on the platform, meaning you'd actually have an unbiased view when you go to select those funds. And you'd put the lowest cost funds, the institutional class shares, where like our entire fund lineup is about 0.11%. And by the way, everybody gets access to the same. So it doesn't matter if you have a $100 million plan or a $1 million plan or $100,000 plan. It's a level playing field. Everybody gets access to the same funds. There's not some games where they try to make as much as they can when you're smaller. So that's what he set out to do. He said, you know what? If we could create that, that would be a game changer. That would be the equivalent of Uber right, to taxi cabs. It's like the story, Craig, you were telling me about the airport and the cost of a taxi from the airport to Uber. What was the cost differential on that? Well, yeah, it was just like literally – it was in Vegas actually on the way out from the hotel because they didn't allow Uber – to pick you up from the hotel. So from the hotel to a restaurant was like $75 and it was a crappy car. And on the way back from the restaurant back to the hotel, it was $7 and it was a really nice car. So it's just everything, the whole business structure, when you look at Airbnb and Uber and everything's breaking down, everyone is cutting out the middleman and everybody's becoming more educated. You know, we can have completely hormone infused meat and it's stamped by the USDA and we loved it. And now it's like everybody understands there's grass fed. And so no one's trusting the old institutions anymore. And I think it just translates over in this space as well. It's the same thing happening everywhere. 
Yeah, 100%. It absolutely translates. And so that's really this kind of next generation model where we said, okay, not only would we absolutely reduce fees to the bare minimum, and to give you just an example, you know, we're typically about 0.6% all in when you account all the services and including the fund costs and including the investment advice. But we'd also put all those great low cost funds in there, those institutional quality funds that Buffett recommends and everybody else recommends. And then the third thing we do is we put an insulation. And I say that insulation is a layer of protection, meaning you, for example, Peter, if you're the plan sponsor today and you're with a broker, you have all the liability. We would say, you know what, we're going to take over all those tasks that you're required to do as the plan sponsor. We're going to take those over. We're going to be your fiduciary. The Department of Labor allows you to hire a third-party fiduciary. So we're going to stand in that and sit in that because that's our lane, right? We're going to sit in that seat and we're going to be that expert. And so we do all that, you know, as part of America's best 401k. So that's kind of a short version of the evolution of the company because we really think that this is an epidemic in our country of, you know, small to mid-sized plans being absolutely hosed by fees and they're hidden. The fee disclosures in this space, they came out in 2012, are 30 to 50 pages long, 30 to 50 pages long to show you how much you're really paying. When we ask a dentist, Hey, send us your fee disclosure. The first thing they always say is, what is that or where is that? And we help them find it in two seconds on their provider website. And then it's 30 to 50 pages and it's layers of fees and references to this page and that page. And you'd be surprised where guys come in, they think they have a great plan. They might have a really low cost fund lineup, but then they have some sort of typical layer that's a hidden layer of another one and a half percent on the entire plan. Or they're charging sales loads like of three to five or six percent of every dollar that goes in. They're just taking a huge whack right off the top. So I mean, it's amazing what you don't know. And in this space, what you don't know can hurt you. So we for sure believe it's a game changer. And what we really want is people to kind of wake up and say, wow, I've got a massive liability. And I always joke, I say, not only do you have a liability, you're paying out the rear end for the privilege of that liability. (laughs) So you might as well take that liability off your plate and simultaneously drastically reduce your fees. Josh, can you talk about how the impact of, you know, like when I look at it, I'm like, oh, what's the big deal? It's a a percentage here, there. Can you talk about the erosive capabilities of what a percent difference over the long span of time? You have some mathematical kind of figures that kind of illustrate how it it is very erosive to the end game. Yeah, I'll give you an, I'll give you a real life example. So we had a firm come to us. I believe he's a dental surgeon, and he had um, about a million dollars in the plan, and but contributing pretty heavily. You know, I think a couple hundred grand a year was going into that plan. Maybe even more, maybe two fifty. Um, high income earners. They had a plan that had two point five five percent as their total fees. Two point five five percent. That's certainly high. You know, we've seen them as high as three, three and a half. is pretty high, but even one and a half is high enough where we can really cut it. But we went down, we took them from 0.65%. Now you say, well, okay, that's, you shaved off a couple percent, but what does that really mean? So one of the things that we love to do is say, hey, look, percentages mean nothing unless you put them in the context of money and time. So over time, let's just say all things being equal, if you save with your current plan or you switch to the lower fees, what would be the difference in the balance of the plan 20 years from now? That's really the question, right? And to give you an idea, the balance of the plan with their current fees would be about 5.2 million. The balance in the plan with our, with America's best 401k, with our plan is 7.2 million. So we put $2 million of retirement savings back into the pockets of he and his employees by maybe 30 minutes of work on this guy's behalf to just 
allow us to do a, a fee comparison and make the switch. And that's essentially because you were shaving 2%. It made that big of a difference in the course of time with no other factor changing? That's right. That's the compound effect. It's mind-boggling. It's very much the frog in the hot water, right? People don't realize the difference, the compound effect of fees. In fact, when people come to us, they look at us, they, we've had guys build, they go, this is impossible. The differential is too big. I'm going to build my own spreadsheet. And <laughs> we say, go for it. Have fun. And they'll build their own spreadsheet and come back to us and say, you're absolutely right. This is unbelievable. That sounds like a dentist saying that, by the way. We love to kind of reverse engineer stuff, by the way. It's just in our nature. <laughs> oh, well, hey, we love it, actually, because it means that we got your attention. It means that you actually see. So the question is, you know, in that case, you can stay with your current guy, but let me know, is your broker worth two million bucks over the next 20 years to bring you some donuts every quarter? Uh, it's just, it becomes such an obvious no brainer. It's like your, back to your Uber example. Do you want a nice clean car that, you know, or do you want something that smells of urine and throw up for 70 bucks? It's up exactly. to you. Exactly. And in Vegas, that's exactly what it smells like. That's it now. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. So it's a fun process. It's interesting to try to get people to wake up and pay attention because not only, by the way, does the guy get the fee reduction, he also gets, again, the alleviation of the liability, right? So we get to stand in that role of the fiduciary. And we also get to stand in the role of providing investment advice to all of his employees and anybody who wants it at any time. They can get a live investment advisor. And and that's, that's fantastic as well. So uh, just a, a couple big differentiators as to what's happening in the space. Again, like every industry out there, there, you just get so much more for your money these days. For $8 a month, I can stream millions of titles on Netflix when before it was 8 bucks for me to go Blockbuster and get a video and I had to bring it back the next morning, right? So there's just so much more value to be had if people are willing to pay attention. And this area is so darn critical. And I go to dental conferences and I watch you guys work your tails off to become more profitable and to look at your metrics and to you know invest in digital dentistry and take the next step and take all this risk. Why? To be better dentists and to create more value, to add more value and to earn more money and save more money so that you can have financial freedom. And then it's all being you know kind of pissed away in fees, unnecessarily so. It's sad to me that there's this money leaving the back door. It well, doesn't have to be. It's sad to people like Peter and I as well because we do this podcast because we love our profession. We want to help our fellow colleagues. And I'm probably more guilty of this than you are, Peter, but I just roll over the first, you know, sales pitch that comes in. I'm like, yeah, that sounds good. You know, that sounds fair. It's a 401k. I figured it's the same. And I needed my own team to step up to say, let's just check our fees. And, uh, you said before 30 minutes of work, it might have been 30 minutes of time, but all I did was I just entered the information in. And found out within a week and it was pretty mind boggling. I was, I went from what was it? 2.65% fee to a 0.6%. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So for my plan and my people, it's $1.4 million over the lifetime of our plan. And, uh, I think the battle that I face when I'm trying to help my friends and, and colleagues in the four that have 401ks is they just can't believe this would be legal. The same way like patients, Peter, patients don't realize that a lot of lab work is being done in China right now. So when I tell patients we have our own lab on site, they say, yeah, you know, my dentist, you know, I think he has a really good lab too. I'm like, well, where is it located? I don't know. Well, did you know that 35% of dental lab work is being sent overseas to China and India and places like that? They have no idea. And they would figure – I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, and in China, they don't have the regulation that we have. But people figure it's a medical thing. It's a, you know, dental crown. It's being inserted maybe three or four inches from my brain. It's going to be somehow tested and legally. It's got to be standardized, right? Right. But it's not. 
in fact, bringing this to a parallel in our own space, Josh, you're allowed to send, in, in the state of Florida at least, I'm allowed to send an impression to my local lab tech, let's say in Miami, and then he can box that sucker up and send it to Guangzhou, China, have it back in two or three days, send it back to me, and not even disclose it was sent. I thought it was made in Miami. So I think it's just a good point to realize that this set of protection that the government has is not as robust as you would think. And the we have liability. So if there's nickel or beryllium or some caustic metal and the patient gets sick from that crown, there's liability on our hands, same way with the 401k. So, But it's really hard. It's a hard pill to swallow because you have to somehow admit that you know, that you're wrong and that something's going down. So I think it's imperative. I think I want to offer the podcast listeners, you, you know, you and your dad and, and Tom from AB4K were kind enough to give us, I think, what was it, 200 copies to uh, New York Times bestselling book, Unshakable by Tony Robbins. We're going to actually have the ability to give those out for free. And they're not free because I know Tony has to buy those, but each book that is bought, we donate or Tony donates 50 meals to Feeding America for part of his Million Meals Challenge, 100 Million Meal Challenge. So um, let, let's talk about that for a second because if you're willing to just uncover your fees, if you're willing to just meet the legal requirement to find out what you're truly paying, not the 50-page document that I couldn't probably get through two or three concise uh, uh, form, you'll actually get a copy of the book and feed 50 people in the process. Did I leave anything out with that offer, Josh? To, yeah, to you broke up a little, so I'll take it. I mean, let me just reiterate. So, yeah, I think yeah, it's a it's been an amazing book. It's number one on New York Times right now as we speak, and number one on Wall Street Journal and Amazon. It's called Unshakable: Your Financial Freedom Playbook, and it's a we're happy to give away free copies if someone's willing to again take the steps to do what they're legally obligated to do. Number one, which is a benchmark, and it's it's actually very simple. If you go to the website freetonybook.com, freetonybook.com, you'll be able to go there. We'll put that in the in the show notes, I would imagine, but you'll be able to go there and enter just your basic information, your name, your company name, and then we'll help you find that fee disclosure. So if you have, you know, whatever your provider is, we'll help you locate that fee disclosure on their website. And you send it over to us and our team will do what it does best, which is decipher that treasure map. And then we'll come back to you and we'll show you, okay, here's what your all-in fees are and here's what they could be. And we'll actually do a little video for you, a custom video that'll show you the impact of those, of the fees over time. And there's no obligation to switch and there's certainly no cost if you did decide to switch. There's no conversion fee or anything. But we would send you a copy if you just take part in that exercise regardless of your decision because we want you to be empowered. We want you to be educated. We want you to be empowered. We want you to feel – and you know, there's so much more in that book you'll learn beyond 401k that I think you'll – you'll truly get some value out of. Josh, um, is that the same? Go to free Tony book to actually upload the fee disclosure sheet to you guys as well. Like, I just want to make sure it's the same venue that get the free book and get the, and then actually get an, an audit of where, of where people are. It's the same. Yep. That's right. Just that one page all right there. So, and there's a little video there too. If you want to, you know, take a couple minutes and watch a little bit more about what we do and you know why we do it. And, um, we try to speak English and not financial ease as well. Craig, something I think that you were interesting or something that was interesting that we talked about last time that you said was um, – or actually, Josh, I'm sorry, that you said that dentists disproportionately are getting preyed upon more in this industry because – I don't know why, but you know, you, Craig, you alluded to the fact that 70,000 of the 500,000 IRAs are dental. And I'm guessing, Josh, on your industry side – 
you have evidence that says that dentists are kind of preyed upon because we, we weren't looking at fees or I don't, you said it more eloquently last time we, t- we spoke on this, but like, can you kind of say that, can you kind of expand on that a little bit that we've been preyed upon? Absolutely. The dental industry has been preyed upon primarily because you're good businesses to pursue, right? You're high income earners. You have relatively few employees compared to the size of your plans. Typically, that there's a single decision maker, and you know you get a broker who's a local guy who is a nice, friendly guy, I'm sure, and well intentioned, and you know wants to come in and take you to lunch and take you to golf and do all those fun things and treat you well. And so they know that dentists are, and they're also relatively recession proof, right? So dentists are have become, and I mean the entire dentist industry, surgeons, etc., have become good targets for these guys, for brokers. They're good. You guys have become good prey and even more so than other white coats, so to speak, because remember doctors, et cetera, they're usually rolled up into hospitals and then the plans go away and the retention level is much lower than a dentist who doesn't have those same issues. And so, you know, they're, let's just call them very sticky clients. And so that's really what ends up happening. Um, and a lot of times, you know, the dentist will outsource the decision to the office manager. And so maybe the guy doesn't have to get a decision from the owner directly, you can go ahead and get a decision from the office manager to move things over. So they've just become a great place for brokers to work. And I'll tell you another kind of trick of the trade, if you will. And we mentioned this uh, when we spoke last time, but a lot of times you'll get a, a broker who will come in and recommend a switch. So they sold you a plan with Transamerica last year and next this year they're going to or then two years later, they're going to tell you to move over to John Hancock. And the reason why a lot of those types of providers, what they do is they offer specials. And what I mean by that is they tell the broker, hey, we've got a sales incentive running this month where if you bring over a plan, we'll give you one or 2% of the total plan value up front as a check. So if a guy's got a million bucks in a plan, he might get a $20,000 check by just moving him over. And he's not disclosing that to the dentist. He'd just come to the dentist and say, hey, I think we should move. It's time to move. I looked, I think we can reduce our fees a little, or this plan's got better funds and, you know, I'll make it easy. And okay, sounds good. I trust you. And then he moves it over, still gets paid his ongoing commission, but also gets a big $20,000 check up front. So it's a way to churn plans. And that happens yeah, quite, quite a conflict of interest, right? Yeah. I mean, it, the, the entire space is built on an inherent conflict of interest, you know? And so the alignment, you know, you're not on the same side of the table. And that's really what it comes down to is that, you know, these retirement plan providers have unfortunately evolved into thinking that this is their money first, not your money and your employees' money that they're stewarding. They've really looked at it as a as a way to, to make as much as they can. And and that's what their annual reports show, et cetera. So we just wanted to kind of flip the script and put the power back in the hands of the people whose money it really is, provide them with really great service, really great tools, really great access to all the best funds, really low fees and great protections. And that's our mission is to truly be America's best 401k as an aspiration, not just a, you know, a clever name. Might as well name yourself that on the way up, right? Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. My favorite is when our competition, when we're, when we're competing against a plan, they have to, you know, put the, you know, when they're asking how they compare to America's best 401k, (laughs) (laughs) it's great. We're almost as good as America's best. Yeah, that's right. How do you compare to the best? Well, so anyway, I'm tongue in cheek, having fun with it, but it's a great opportunity. And and I think that to your point, Greg, this is not something to kick yourself over. This is something to look at and say, you know what? It's just the game has changed. I mean, there really wasn't access to typical plan, like a plan like ours with our fee level, uh, you know, 10 years ago, just didn't exist. And so the world has changed and now there's Uber, so to speak, in the 401k space. You don't have to go with that old traditional taxi cab anymore. 
there's a new way and the new way is going to not only put money back in your pocket, it's going to, you know, alleviate a huge liability. Yeah. And be better for your team and not just you, but obviously like, you know, we talked about really wanting to take care of our teams. And so this accelerates their journey as well. Oh, absolutely. So that's pretty cool. Josh, you talked about doing a lot of kind of audits on existing plans. We have a lot of like podcast has a lot of younger users and we have a lot of younger dentists that listen to the podcast and they may either be in school or just starting out or doing a startup or haven't started a 401k plan and kind of been sitting on the sidelines. Do you do them from inception? Absolutely. We do them from inception. And we also, what's really great about it is that from inception, I'll give you another little trick of the trade. If you do a, what's called a startup plan, a brand new plan, if you go with a broker, the broker can't make any money off of it, right? Because there's nothing in the plan. So what they do is they typically set you up with a, a plan that, that whacks your your every dollar by 3 to 5%. So they go, okay, well, you don't have any money in the plan, so I'm going to take a 3 to 5% commission every dollar that goes into that plan. And what's sad about that is, one, it puts you way behind the eight ball, right, from day one, dollar one. But more importantly, we see lots of plans that have $2 million in them still, or $2.5 million, meaning they started it 10 years ago with one of those plans, and they never switched. So they're still getting whacked 3 to 5% on every single dollar going in. It's crazy. So again, going back to democratization and leveling the playing field, all of our plans, regardless of when you start, have the same same low-cost index funds, same low-cost fee structure, same level of, of service. And to the guys who say, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm not sure if I should get started now or wait, I'd love to give you guys a quick example of the power of, of compounding. This is directly from the Unshakable book, so you can read it for yourself when you go to freetonybook.com, shameless plug. So two friends, Joe and Bob, both decide to invest $300 a month. Joe, okay, Joe's age 19, okay? Joe puts $300 a month away. And he keeps going for eight years and then stops adding to his account at age 27. Okay. Eight years of saving. And all he saved in total was 28 grand. At, by the time he's age 65, Joe has $1.8 million if he gets a compounded rate of 10%, right? Which is historical U.S. stock market over the last century. 1.8 million. He put in 28 grand. He stopped saving. He's 27, has 1.8 million. His buddy says, you know what? I'm going to wait. Joe's aggressive. I'm going to wait. I'm going to take care of my debt, et cetera. I'm going to do what I need to do. And and he doesn't start saving until he's 27. Okay. So he starts saving the same amount at age 27 and he saves $300 a month, but he keeps going all the way till he's 65. He gets the same 10% a year, uh, year return, but he has 1.5 million at the end. And he invested substantially more, five times more. He put in 140 grand, but because he started later, because he started that eight years later, Joe, who just put in 28 grand, is still way ahead. So that just shows you that the importance of starting way, way, way earlier. And you might be going, well, geez, I'm not 19 and neither am I. But if you look at that and you say, okay, where in that curve, where do I need to accelerate my savings now? How do I accelerate? And part of the way you accelerate is you learn some of the more efficient ways to do it. So a 401k, for example, can be layered with a profit sharing plan. Uh, you can increase your contributions substantially. And then even a, what's called a cash balance plan, where you can put in a couple hundred thousand dollars away and you layer on additional plans like that, what are called defined benefit plans. And now you're talking about a couple hundred thousand dollars of deductible contributions annually. And now you can start to really catch up and change the game. So and we do all that kind of plan design in-house. That's just some of the stuff that we do when we get you set up. But it's really about accelerating your savings. And most people go, I, I can't save. I don't have it. But you know what? I always say if the government came along and there was a new tax tomorrow, we'd all bitch and moan and we'd all figure out a way to pay it. And the same is true with your savings. You have to figure out as though it's a tax from your future self, 
that says, you know what, I just figure out a way. Okay. And whether it's budgeting or earning more, whatever you need to do, uh, you got to figure out a way to, to accelerate that growth curve. So thanks for bringing that up, by the way, Peter. That was, that's a good point. And, you know, it's funny. You bring up something about like investing early and everyone, you know, everyone listening to this podcast has heard that and kind of knows the value of compound interest. But as dentists, I got to tell you, we come out of school with a lot of debt and I was almost ashamed of the fact that I wasn't able to contribute because I had so much debt service right out of school. And I was like, you know what, what's the point? I'm already at 35. Like, what's the point of contributing now? Like, you know, everyone told me I should have been contributing at age 20. So I think I'm probably not alone in that because a lot of dentists are thinking, I can't contribute to a 401k. I have $400,000 of student debt. I'm trying to buy a million dollar practice. I'm trying to buy this new equipment. Like, I don't have anything left over. But can you tell them like it's okay, like even if it's not now, like just commit to the process at some, at some point and don't give up on it? Because I think I did back in my career. I would definitely don't give up on the process. It's really important. And here's a trick. This was the, a trick that we put in our plans uh, that was developed by uh, some behavioral economists to kind of trick ourselves. It's like, you know, um, Saturday afternoon and you're chomping down a couple pieces of pizza and a few beers and you go, oh, I'll start my diet on Monday. Right. So everybody's always Monday. We'll start Monday. It's always easier to start Monday. And the same is true with your savings. It's always easy to save more tomorrow. Right. I'll save more tomorrow and this our next year. And so one of the key things to do is to start small and we install what's called auto escalation. And that's just a fancy way of saying, okay, if I'm going to start this year, I'm going to put in 3% or 4% of my pre-tax pay, whatever I make, make a hundred grand a year. I can put them three grand a year. That's it. And or four grand, but every year, it's going to automatically go up 1% without me making a decision, right? So next year, it's four. Next year, it's five. The following year, six. And then the next thing you know, you don't miss it, but you're putting 10% in and you're all of a sudden going, wow, which is what most people should do as minimum is 10. But most people can't start there. But if you just auto-escalate your way into it, you typically don't miss it. You don't see it coming out. Or you end up increasing your wages. You know, you get an increase in pay beyond the 1%, so you don't really don't feel it. You don't ever see the take-home. But if you wait to kind of get to a point where you feel financially free in order to start saving, which is, you know, impossible, it's a typical, you know, human behavior thing that you got to you got to play mind games with yourself to counteract. Well, anything in closing, guys? I mean, I know we've gotten some good kind of marching orders and action items at the end of this. I'm definitely going to kind of look at submitting, you know, and get, getting the ball rolling on my end. Craig, I know that you you've already kind of implemented the process for your team. Yeah. One thing I did want to touch on while you guys were talking, I was just kind of taking notes here. It really made me think about why is it that dentists, why are we preyed upon? And Peter, I, I, we don't want to mention any names, but there's so many dental consultants out there that as part of their consulting, they have financial arms that are connected to, you know, broker dealers and selling insurance and all this stuff. And it's in our profession, we value trust and long-term relationships with our patients. So a good dentist, the one that's successful, at least one that's going to invest had the money to invest back in his team. He lives his life taking care of people. He builds long-term relationships, you know, like my dad, 40, 50 years as a dentist and seeing people over time. And we get sometimes offended when people question our judgment and our, our expertise. So maybe the reason why we're preyed upon is because we actually go in with that same way of we treat people this way. I'm sure they're going to treat me well as well. You have, you know, a practice management company or a friend or a patient that's giving you advice and that may be great. You may be able to trust them, but you know, like they say, trust, but verify. And you have a financial responsibility to find out what you're being charged. And it's good business practice. Just like you might 
Patterson against Shine once in a while or Darby. Totally. That's a great analogy. Yeah. It's just part of the process. You know, it's just what you got to do from time to time across the board in, in your business, not just your 401k. That's that's a great example of, of the supply houses kind of pitting them against each other, really doing the same thing. Why not? And it's actually a much bigger nut at the end of the day, what we're talking about too, you know, in totality. Yeah, it's true. Like you can't get alginate, you know, there's going to be a certain law of diminishing returns when you negotiate your 5% and your grossest clinical supplies. But I think it's, it's just kind of, Josh, I was just thinking we, we just have trust and long-term relationships. That's what we're preyed upon. And, um, I was preyed upon uh, without mentioning these specifics, but I, I was a member of a consulting company and they had an, a financial arm to what they did. And it seemed you fine. were a client of a consulting company. I was a client. Correct. I'm sorry. What did I say? You said you're a member of one, and I was like, wait a second, I didn't know this. <laughs> no, 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 I'm sorry. I was a client of a consulting company. And, you know, they all invested with the financial arm of this consulting company. They're two separate names, but they all seemed to be affiliated, and all the other dentists were doing it. And I was really, really shafted. And, uh, you know, fortunately, I'm, I'm going to move ahead and, and get out of that. But um, it's unfortunate. And part of the reason why I'm so passionate about this is because I really care about dentists and I really care about our profession. And I'm really kind of tired, sick and tired of seeing us get the, you know, being abused. And another layer of this is, is absolutely the 401k. So I want to thank you, Josh, for being so generous with your time and uh, for coming on, on this podcast and for actually giving this opportunity for us to get 200 books into dentist's hands. So go to freetonybook.com. Two conditions. You have to be a business owner. You have to have a 401k. And uh, that book is filled with amazing information. It's not just about your 401k. It's, there's a reason why it's a New York Times bestselling book, and it's been that way for um, several months on end now. So I uh, really appreciate everyone taking the time to educate our professionals and our, uh, the guys in our profession. And anything else you guys want to add before we close out? Yeah, great for the opportunity to help. And um, yeah, we, we're here to serve. And again, there's just no, no real downside in just taking the opportunity to uncover these fees. And um, we'll help you understand a little bit more of the depth of the liability that you have. Great. Love it. Wonderful. Awesome. Thanks again, Josh. Appreciate your time. And uh, we'll chat later, pal. Wonderful. Thanks, guys. Take care. Guys. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Bulletproof Dental Practice with your hosts, Dr. Peter Bolden and Dr. Craig Spodak. Online at BulletproofDentalPractice.com. We'll catch you next time.